0: Good afternoon. It's Friday the twelfth of February 2021, just after one o'clock. Welcome to UK Column News. I'm your host, Mike Robinson. Joining me in the studio today, Patrick Henningson from 21st Century War. Welcome to the programme, Patrick.
1: Wonderful to be with you, Mike.
0: Now let's uh, come back on to, to vaccines and, and COVID. Uh and well the government has updated, or at least the MHRA has updated the uh, vaccine analysis for the Pfizer BioNTech. Uh, I'm sure they've updated the others, but I want to focus on this one. Uh, So this is all UK spontaneous adverse reaction reports received between the 9th of the 12th, uh, 2020, and the 31st of the 1st, 2021. And the first thing to note, if you're watching the programme on Monday, I believe it was, we were making the point that uh, their multi-million pound AI system wasn't able to generate a report that added up, um, and particularly with respect to deaths. Uh, This report, it does add up now. So I think whoever it was generated the first one uh, has uh, fixed that. They're now saying that the uh, under the death and sudden death headline, uh, clinical death one, of which one was fatal, uh, death now 66, um, and, and we had 66 fatalities from that. So, so they finally got that line to, uh, to add up, uh, although they've, they failed previously, as we mentioned. Uh, and then sudden death, they're now saying nine uh, sudden deaths as a result of the vaccine. Uh, and that resulted in nine fatalities. Uh, but other things going on, spontaneous abortions. Uh, I was a bit surprised about this one because there were five uh, spontaneous abortions as a result of the vaccine, according to this adverse reaction report, but that resulted in zero fatalities, uh, Patrick. Uh, so apparently, uh, you know, fetuses don't count uh, when it comes to the effects of the uh, the vaccine. Uh, I understand what they're saying here. In fairness, they're saying that the, that the the person who received the vaccine, that person didn't die as a result. But nonetheless, there must be some way uh, to acknowledge the fact that, uh, you know, there was a spontaneous abortion and the life was lost.
1: I'd be very interested to get more information about that particular statistic, Mike, to find out. Because, uh, you know, are there people participating in these trials um, who were pregnant uh, going in uh, that... Uh, this, so,
0: but of course, these aren't the trials; these are the actual live vaccinations. Oh, I the, appreciate the, that's, oh, that's this, the, the phase three trial, the phase but, three the, public yes. trial. Yes. yeah.
1: Okay. So that's interesting. Uh, that I mean, that alone—it's not the trial, but they still shouldn't be getting it because they're not doing that in the clinical trials, right?
0: Uh, and this is the, this is true. Yes.
1: So that, there's some serious questions to be asked there.
0: Yes, I think there. Are, well, there are serious questions to be asked right right through this. So that uh, brings us to a total. Reactions for the drug: fifty-nine thousand six hundred and fourteen. That's out of twenty thousand three hundred and nineteen reports. So clearly, some people experience more than one reaction, uh, and they're claiming four hundred. Uh, sorry, one hundred and forty-three deaths so far. No acknowledgement of the care home fatalities at all, uh, because of course those aren't being counted uh, in this. Uh, because under, uh, Patrick, you've, you've got to understand that that if somebody has a comorbidity. Uh, but COVID-19 is mentioned on their uh, death certificate. Then it was COVID-19 that killed them. Uh, if somebody uh, has a comorbidity uh, and they have a, a vaccine and then they suddenly die, uh, that was the comorbidity that killed them uh, in and that no, case. And not the vaccine. And not the vaccine.
1: So they flipped that whole the, they have. narrative, haven't they? Isn't that convenient?
0: Uh, very. Um, so where does that take us? That takes us to the Daily Mail,
1: Well, uh, a lot of talk about who's going to get the vaccine after the, quote, vulnerable uh, receive their jabs, Mike, after the elderly. And here we have uh, the man himself, JVT, as he's known by Matt Hancock, Professor Jonathan Van Tam, um, one of the health, uh, uh, high priests of health there in the government. He's saying it's perfectly possible the UK will be giving coronavirus vaccines to children by the end of the year. Wow, they've uh, drifted that out quietly, haven't they? Uh, uh, these would be
0: the children that aren't actually affected by COVID-19.
1: Well, yes, statistically, uh, they're at near zero risk of ever getting ill from this uh, novel c- coronavirus. So, Mike, this is interesting because this question has been asked many times mm. over the last you know, 10 months or eight months or whatever, and it's always been shtum, uh, and now all of a sudden... The talking points come out. Yes. So um, I think that's quite disturbing. Now, is it possible? And I know we'll move on to the next comments on this, but just quickly, do you think it's possible that this could become a contingency for attending school uh, in the in the fall of 2021?
0: I, I think it's certain that that is going to be the case. Certain that that is going to be the case. But well, there are two, there are some pretty major implications. This we'll come on to in one second.
1: Well, the reactions to Jonathan Van Tam's uh, comments here. Let's look at a couple of uh, pundits on Twitter here. This is Neil Clark. Uh, He's a journalist, and this is what he said. They want to give children the jab to make vaccine passports viable. Very good point made by Neil Clark here, using the children as the hook, right? So that's why they want the entire population to be vaccinated and not just the most vulnerable, quote, unquote. Uh, If this really was about a virus, then restrictions would be lifted after the most vulnerable were vaccinated. I think that's a pretty fair assessment of the hypocrisy that's going on here. And then uh, Sean Collins, uh, he's a comedian, UK-based. He was also in this documentary, Another Way, uh, with Simon Dolan. And this is what he had to say, a little bit more harsh here by uh, Sean Collins pushing back, saying, children may be given vaccine by the end of year. Anyone dumb enough to give a child this vaccine should not have children. Uh, They are not at risk, and it is sinister. The desperation to give children this mRNA vaccine, please wake up. This is sick, says Sean Collins, a comedian and also a parent uh, as well. So he's concerned, uh, as are many people, they have legitimate questions about safety, about these corporate claims of efficacy and really the experimental nature of the mRNA vaccine. Uh,
0: well, let's just put that back up on screen for a second. They are not at risk. Children are not at risk. And it is sinister, the desperation to give children this mRNA vaccine. Okay, let's let's consider the long potential long-term effects of this if it's rolled out to children. Uh, let me introduce you to uh, prions. Uh, now this is an article from Environment from uh, Michigan State University, Environment, Environmental Health and Safety. Uh, it's called Handling Prions: Recommended Biosafety Practices for Handling Prions. Now, what are prions? Well, they they cause disease, uh, neurological diseases, and so on. And they're talking about uh, the handling of this being required in with biosecurity level two or three. So this isn't something that you just. Uh, pass around amongst people, this uh, prions. Uh, Let's just look at the type of diseases that they cause. uh, In in sheep, scrapie, sheep, goats, and so on. Uh, Transmissible mink encephalopathy in mink. uh, Bovine spongiform encephalopathy in cattle.
1: Uh, Otherwise known as? Mad cow disease. Mad cow disease. Uh, And
0: Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease in humans, uh, which, of course, is a disease which uh, is apparently caused by BSE.
1: CJD. That was a big, big scandal, wasn't it? Yes, About 15 and, years ago. And it
0: was probably the first time most people heard the uh, term variant because, of course, it was new variant, uh, CJD. Um, but it's this one that I was just want to highlight here, transmissible mink encephalopathy. So uh, this is related to mink. Uh, and if you remember a few weeks ago, uh, Denmark shaken by a cull of millions of mink. Mm. And I'm going to suggest that there's a bit of plausible deniability uh, a bit of protecting people's backs in this article because the mink story didn't seem to make sense at the time so let's uh, let's try to understand this uh, prions uh, well one uh, source of uh, prion disease in the body is certain proteins and these are the two key ones here TDP43 and FUS um, and uh, these can create prions in the body once they get into the brain you end up with a, a you can end up with Alzheimer's disease, for example. Okay. So I want to highlight this uh, scientific paper, uh, which I don't know whether it's been peer reviewed at this point, but it doesn't matter. It raises some key points. And at this point, we're asking questions. We're not making any statements. Uh, and the uh, headline of this, uh, this scientific paper is COVID-19 RNA based vaccines and the risk of prion disease. It's by uh, an an immunologist, uh, J. Bart Klassen, uh, in the United States. Uh, And let's just have a look at a couple of things that it says. Uh, RNA-based vaccines offer special risks of inducing specific adverse events. One such potential adverse event is prion-based diseases caused by activation of intrinsic proteins to form prions. A wealth of knowledge has been published on a class of RNA-binding proteins known to uh, participate in causing a number of neurological diseases, including Alzheimer's disease and ALS, TDP43, and FUS are among the best studied of these proteins. It goes on to say, published data has shown that there are several different factors that can contribute to the conversion of certain RNA-binding proteins, including TDP43, FUS, and related molecules to their pathologic states. Uh, These RNA-binding proteins have many functions and are found in both the nucleus and the cytoplasm. The cytoplasm is the the area inside the cell, outside the the nucleus. Um, It goes on to say, these binding proteins have amino acid regions, binding motifs that bind specific RNA sequences, binding to certain RNA sequences when the proteins are in the cytoplasm is believed to cause the molecules to fold in certain ways, leading to pathologic aggregation and prion formation in the cytoplasm. uh, And of course, One of the things about the uh, Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine uh, is it's all about injecting RNA, uh, which then replicates inside the body in in multiple places. Uh, And he is highlighting the possibility that this could create uh, a a situation that gives rise to prion formation. Prion formation in the body is not good. It leads to long term major health issues and death and death. Well, of course, Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, Alzheimer's. This is the type of thing that we're looking yeah. at. So if we're looking at uh, immunizing children, uh, then of course, the younger you are, the more uh, time you have on this planet for this type of uh, situation to, de- to develop. And if we're talking about seeing RNA vaccines becoming an annual thing, uh, are we looking at uh, an epidemic of these types of prion-related illnesses. This is what I'm asking here. I'm not stating, I'm asking.
1: This is what the immunologist or the microbiologist is asking. For sure.
0: So the current analysis indicates Pfizer's RNA-based COVID-19 vaccine contains many of these RNA sequences that have been shown to have high affinity for TDP-43 or FUS and have the potential to induce chronic degenerative neurological diseases. Another related concern is that the Pfizer vaccine uses a unique RNA nucleotide. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce that but you can see it on screen. Uh, According to FDA briefing documents this nucleoside was uh, chosen to reduce activation of the innate immune system. RNA molecules uh, containing this nucleoside will undoubtedly have altered binding. Uh, Unfortunately the effect on TDP43, FUS and other RNA binding proteins is not published. Uh, the use of this nucleoside as a, in a vaccine could potentially enhance the binding affinity of RNA sequences capable of causing TDP43 and FUS to assume toxic configurations. Uh, and it goes on to say there are many other potential side effects, uh, sorry, adverse events that can be uh, induced by the novel RNA-based vaccines against COVID-19. The vaccine produces and uh, places a novel molecule, spike protein, in or on the surface of host cells. This spike protein is a potential receptor for for another possibly novel infectious agent. Uh, Data is not publicly available to provide information on how long the vaccine RNA is translated uh, in the vaccine recipient and how long after translation the spike protein will be present in the recipient cells. Uh, Genetic diversity protects species from mass casualties uh, caused by infectious agents. One individual may be killed by a virus, while another may have no ill effects from the same virus. By placing the identical receptor, the spike protein, on cells of everyone in the population, the genetic diversity for at least one potential receptor disappears. Everyone in the population now becomes potentially susceptible to binding with the same infectious agent. And I think that is a hugely significant paper. It needs to be looked at extremely closely, uh, and some questions need to be answered of the uh, pharmaceutical companies, uh, because as has been noted in the, that uh, uh, document, data is not available to understand the, the implications and the potential implications uh, of uh, prion development as a result of mRNA vaccines.
1: And also concerns that this is very similar to concerns that were brought up by uh, uh, Dr. Wolfgang Wardarg in Germany, and. Uh, Dr. Michael Yeadon, as well, uh, when they raised this issue uh, about the um, uh, th- this vaccine creating a situation where you might have an autoimmune reaction um, to uh, other things that are naturally in the body, including cells that are used to create the placenta, uh,
0: and, and that paper also talks about autoimmune reactions. Yes, it
1: does. I yes. I mean, so the the bottom line here, Mike, is when you talk about clinical trials for drugs, there's a reason why clinical trials takes four five six seven eight ten fifteen years because you need time to study these reactions and and, in animals first Uh, and then you go on to the human trials after that and then years and years as well of observations you have uh double blind placebo randomized trials for humans as well and and uh and so Uh,
0: and we shouldn't forget by the way that the long-term placebo uh, uh the double blind placebo in these current trials has gone because the uh, people that were on the placebo end of the trials that Pfizer and uh, AstraZeneca ran, uh, well, they've now been offered the vaccine, uh, and so there can be no long—you know—there can be no long-term follow. So they've, sabo- pe- they've, they've sabotaged, sabotaged the trial. Yes.
1: So you know, if if there's a serious—and what, what you're trying to say, and what this this doc, what you're asking, Mike, and what this doctor is trying to say in his paper, if there is a serious life-threatening illness that is something that you might be at risk for as a result of receiving this vaccine or a vaccine, any vaccine, any drug. You need time in order to determine that. There's a process traditionally and professionally and governments used to regulate these things. All of this has been thrown out the window under the guise of this is an emergency. We don't have time to wait. Uh, We can't wait to do trials. Mm -hmm. Uh, not only that, they're giving them legal lia- uh, uh, indemnity, mm. uh, so they have no liability With re- if anything goes wrong. There's no legal recourse uh, for anybody So in the public. So they're running the third phase, or the, really the second and third phase, they're running it in the public on this. Mm. For, for a first-time experimental technology that is effectively, according to some experts, it qualifies as gene therapy, uh, the mRNA vaccine. So this is just being thrust on the public. Mm-hmm. This is m- hugely dangerous on so many different levels. This is the, this is a scandal of epic proportions that we really have never confronted before, I, I think, in, in modern times.
0: That, yes, and of course, it's not just the p- potential health effects. It's also the uh, changing relationship between us as individuals and the state and the Uh, liberty implications of this. So let's look at what uh, Tobias Elwood, 77 Brigade, member of the parliament, uh, was tweeting out this morning. He said, I support the introduction of vaccine passports. Of course, if there were no vaccines, we wouldn't need a vaccine passport. If we weren't, if people weren't believing in this COVID uh, narrative, then we wouldn't need vaccine passports. But anyway, he supports the introduction. Uh, He uh, is internationally, sorry, and internationally, that typo is his, by the way, and internationally, Uh, recognized system will expedite travel movement and help our economy. Travel should still be possible without, but should require current testing and quarantine measures. We must adapt to these extraordinary times. So, uh, Elwood, 77 Brigade, Member of Parliament, uh, claiming that uh, if you don't get the vaccine, your liberty should be extremely curtailed uh, and you should be stuck under this lockdown uh, testing and quarantine regime until such times as you cave in and take the vaccine.
1: Or you have to pay for your hotel, as the government's saying, what for, what, 11 days, Yes, uh, 1,200, 1,400 uh, pounds? Yes. Unbelievable. Uh,
0: so uh, following that, well, he was linking to this article in the Mail. Uh, powerful COVID-O Cabinet Committee uh, is set to consider plans for vaccine passports tomorrow. That That would be today. Uh, amid, amid hopes they would save summer holidays. So again, the summer, summer holidays are being held out uh, as, well, if you want a holiday, you got to have the vaccine. If you don't have a vaccine, you can't have a passport, you can't go on holiday. So it's kind of, uh, people are being bullied uh, into this. Uh, so what's the Mail saying? The critical covid O Cabinet subcommittee is expected to look at proposals for assembling a system uh, that could loosen restrictions on international travel. However, they're not expected... Uh, to be any final decisions, and no date has been mooted for when the arrangements might come into force. So really, what this is about is getting uh, the public used to the idea that it's coming down the pipe, uh, and perhaps to drive demand uh, for the vaccine at the moment. Um, uh, well,
1: Boris Johnson saying here that Mike, you, you you need two jabs, two COVID jabs, and, and you then allowed allowed, to, allowed to, go it on, to go on holiday to go on holiday. This is preposterous.
0: Well, it it gets better. Um, because here is uh, George Osborne, former Chancellor, Chancellor of the Exchequer, of course. Uh, had, his headline in the Evening Standard uh, was to lead a normal life. You'll need a COVID passport. Here's why. Uh, and he said, there's no law that says you have to have a passport. You just need one if you want to travel abroad Uh to most countries and uh, that's why only three quarters of British people have one. In America it's less than half. But what if you needed a passport to travel around your own country? What if you needed one to apply for a job, to send your child to school or even go to a restaurant or a cinema? He's asking these questions but he's actually promoting this as as the future that we face. Uh, By the end of this year, showing your passport physically or in electronic form as you go about your daily business is exactly what many developed countries are going to require, except the passports in question won't be evidence of your citizenship. They'll instead confirm that you've been inoculated against coronavirus. The only question is whether governments will issue them or the private sector will. Uh, Yesterday, the impressive vaccines minister impressive vaccines minister, uh, Nadim Zahawi, uh, said the British government had no plans to issue vaccine passports. That's only true in a narrow yes minister sense. Uh, there may be no plans, but a lot, a lot of planning is taking place. And of course, that's what the Daily Mail article was saying. So let's uh, look at what else he said here. Uh, there's another reason why government is nervous to talk of COVID passports. passports. It smacks of state compulsion. Uh, He said, when, for now, voluntary take-up is working well here, that's because the British public's willingness to be vaccinated is one of the highest in the world, is it? Well, okay, he claims it is. There are three approaches, he says. Uh, The first is to try to educate the refuseniks, but otherwise leave them untroubled. The problem is that this endangers not just their health, but everyone else's. By leaving a fifth or a tenth of the population unvaccinated, we allow new strains in uh, the space to emerge and we continue to place pressure on hospital capacity. So there's uh, the excuse. Uh, That's why, apparently, if you are unvaccinated, you're a danger to the vaccinated. Uh, Nothing talked about here uh, about the possibility of new strains being created in the bodies of vaccinated people and escaping uh, their immune systems. Uh, No mention of that.
1: Which which is very likely to happen.
0: uh, Absolutely very likely to happen. If you
1: look at the flu jab, look at the polio jab, in Africa. The most prevalent strain of polio is the vaccine-derived uh, strain of polio. That's in Africa. This is also outbreaks in India as well, in multiple countries. So, I mean, this is just a, a problem when it happen. What what you're seeing here, Mike, um, and what George Osborne is uh, overriding, uh, John, uh, the vaccines minister, uh, uh, Nazim uh, Zawari, so that's Bilderberg uh, overriding uh, the cabinet. <laughs> Minister there and so that's he's calling for coercion Really this is massively coercive using the term "refusnik," Okay, or or you know anti-vaxxer or Lockdown denier or what are all these sort of pejorative terms? These are hugely dangerous because they are designed to marginalize people who are simply asking questions Mm -hmm. Being skeptical is is not a, a privilege. It is absolutely a right and, and I might add that you know, being skeptical and asking questions regarding medical procedures or or drugs, the administration of drugs, is uh, recognized under international law as a right. Uh,
0: so let's move on with it then, because second, uh, we could make vaccination compulsory. After all, the common will means it's against the law to refuse jury service or fail to pay your taxes. Uh, or in extremists, he said, be conscripted. Uh, we also require seatbelt use and ban smoking in many spaces. So why not make it illegal to refuse a vaccine? The danger is at such a level, of, there is such a level of mistrust, and so rabid are the conspiracies that co- compulsory vaccination would push millions of people further into the margins of society. Just because something is illegal doesn't stop it happening. The third approach, he said, is COVID passports. Uh, whatever Whitehall decides, the vaccinated public is going to demand that those around them are vaccinated too. Uh, when they go to an office, take their child to school, eat in a restaurant, go to a place of worship, watch a movie, sit on a bus, or fly on a plane. If the government doesn't police this, then businesses will, he claims. Uh, and, uh, uh, so, uh, uh, sorry. and so, sorry. And so, so that's that's where it is. As our real passports uh, already say on the first page, COVID passports will allow the bearer to pass freely without let or hindrance, bring them on, he says.
1: Even if they could be carrying uh, the vi- a virus that's a vaccine-derived uh, uh, virus, Mike, and the person without the vaccine is not carrying, that's a possibility, is it not? It certainly is. Yes. It certainly is. So, so, he, But here's the, here's the gaslighting that's going on. This is the last thing I'll say. This is massive gaslighting. Because the obvious question is, if the general population are not at any serious risk statistically of being uh, becoming ill uh, supposedly from COVID-19, and that's by the statistics, this is by the official numbers, not just in the UK, but globally, okay? There is one specific demographic that appears to be uh, affected by this, quote, pandemic, and those are uh, elderly over the age of, really the average age of COVID deaths, we're talking about 80, 81, Okay, so it's it's an identifiable uh, demographic, Mike. So if the the majority of the general population is not at risk of this disease, Mike, then why would you compel them to get vaccinated? That's a question. That's never happened in history. No. It's never happened in history. So why is it happening now to what is turning out to be statistically a relatively non-lethal seasonal respiratory virus to the general population? I'm not talking about... The over eighties, okay. I'm talking about the general population. So you're gonna put them into a compulsory compulsory vaccine regime? Yes. And restrict all of their rights?
0: Yes. That's based on what
1: threat? What is the threat assessment on this? There is none. It's all hyperbole and gaslighting.